Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey present Locked On Sports Today. Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals have Patrick Mahomes' number. Are the San Francisco 49ers still an NFC favorite without Jimmy G? And can the Baltimore Ravens stay afloat with Lamar Jackson's availability now up in the air? I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't-miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're locked on sports today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. The Cincinnati Bengals just seem to have the Kansas City Chiefs number. The first time in the Andy Reid Patrick Mahomes era, a team has beaten them three consecutive meetings. A 27 24 thriller on Sunday evening. This one in Cincinnati. Joining me now from Locked on Bengals, Jake Lisko and, and Jake. What is it about this matchup? What is it about the Bengals that makes them so tough on the Chiefs? I don't really know what exactly it is without having watched the tape, obviously, of the defense. But the the big thing to me seems to be that for whatever reason, they seem to have Patrick Mahomes' number in key moments where usually you see Patrick Mahomes against other teams be that clinician who is slicing and dicing and cutting out the hearts of his opponents. just doesn't have that consistent big play moment when they need it against the Bengals. And this game, it was an opportunity to keep a drive going, to take a go-ahead touchdown, to bleed some time, to maybe keep Joe Burrow off the field. And instead, Joseph Osai, a rotational edge rusher for the Bengals, gets in there and trips him up in the backfield for a sack, and then they miss a 55-yard field goal. So in these key clutch moments, Mahomes hasn't been up to the task against the Bengals, and it's hard to say what exactly it is, but Lou Anarumo, I think, again, deserves a lot of credit. And the Chiefs certainly got theirs on offense, but for pushing some of the right buttons at the right times in some of those crucial situations to give the Bengals offense an opportunity. And the Bengals offense left, in my opinion, quite a bit on the field in this game, going 0 for 3 at one point in the middle of the game on consecutive red zone possessions after a turnover on downs and two penalties pushed them out of the red zone and into field goal range instead. Just a a testament to, I guess, resolve from this Bengals team and scheme adaptability. The the adjustments seem to continue to be on the defensive side of the ball. While Meanwhile, the offense, to me, just looks complete right now. Yeah, the offense in control. Joe Burrow, only six incompletions in this game. And one of those was a drop on what would have been a walk-in touchdown from Tyler Boyd. That is some of the meat you mentioned being left on the bone. Mm -hmm. What is the difference for this team compared to early in the year, the, the last couple of weeks, um, and now with Jamar Chase back, this this offense just looks like they're as complete a unit as as we have offensively in the league. And, and even different this week than what we've seen in the last few weeks when they've been really good as well. The under center play action game coming back for the team a little bit and producing some nice plays as well. They had mostly canned that and, and more nitty gritty, some same side shotgun toss plays coming back and being effective this week after they tried them a few times earlier in the year and they were awful and everyone <laughs> wanted them thrown out of the playbook permanently. So a couple things that were really struggle areas for the Bengals early in the season coming back but by and large it's been this transition to a shotgun heavy offense instead of an under center wide zone play action offense which didn't mesh with the personnel they had I think very well early in the year now it's just one of the pieces 
of their toolbox, which has expanded considerably, I think, on offense. And that's a big thing. Just like last year when we saw the Chiefs struggle with all the too high they saw early in the year, they had to adapt to it. Saw the same thing with the Bengals and Joe Burrow. Burrow learning to be patient. The coaching staff learning to be patient. Samaj P. Ryan again going over 100 yards in this game. 21 carries over 100 yards. Really efficient running game. I believe this conserves their status as the most efficient running game in the NFL since week five, going back to week five to present, continuing to, to be a very successful running team when they choose to do it and just adding answers and, and adapting without Jamar Chase, who in his return was really good again, by the way, uh, including one catch that didn't count. Did you see the one-hander where he landed out of bounds? I mean, yes. he has the coolest catches. Go back to week one. There's another one. Coolest catches that haven't counted this year, I think, but just adding answers over the course of the year, adapting to the different things they're seeing and overcoming. And a lot of that, especially the last five, six weeks, is Joe Burrow continuing to play at a very, very high level, playing on time, being accurate, making great decisions with the football. Stay up to date all year on the Cincinnati Bengals by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and the Locked On Bengals podcast on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Coming up, can the 49ers win the NFC without Jimmy G? Before we get to that, we'll have Sunday night football recap. Here's what to look for on Bet Online, your number one spot for all your gambling needs. The confusing NFC South matchup has some interesting lines to follow on Monday Night Football, starting with the spread. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers need this win, but Bet Online has them as only three and a half point favorites over the New Orleans Saints. Scoring, not going to be in bunches, if at all. Bet Online has the total at 41, and part of the reason for the expected low scoring is the quarterback play from the Saints' Andy Dalton. His over under for passing yards. Is just 219.5. Bet online where the game starts. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. The Indianapolis Colts kept it close for three quarters, but Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys took over in the fourth. The Indianapolis Colts were absolutely demolished on Sunday Night Football by the Dallas Cowboys. They fall 54 to 19 on prime time. This is Zach Hicks of Locked On Colts podcast, and uh, you know, we didn't expect this game to be very close. You know, the Dallas Cowboys are obviously on just a different level than this Indianapolis Colts team, but uh, nobody could have predicted this much of a lopsided score. You know, the Colts kept it close going into the fourth quarter. It was 21 to 19 at one point, uh, but then the Cowboys went on a 33 to nothing run in that fourth quarter. Uh, that was capped off by the Colts offense, turned the ball over on four straight possessions. Uh, there's not many there's not many words to be said about this game. The, the Colts are just a bad team right now and and the Dallas Cowboys really embarrassed them in prime time. So we'll see how Jim Irsay and the Colts organization responds to to this thorough beatdown in prime time. But yeah, we'll have much more on this, you know, in this upcoming week with the bye week coming up. Check us out every Monday through Friday. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jalen Hurts did everything he wanted and more as the Philadelphia Eagles stomped the Tennessee Titans. The Philadelphia Eagles are 11-1 after a 35-10 victory over the Tennessee Titans. I'm Louis DiBiase, host of the Lockdown Eagles podcast. There's a lot of reasons for this victory, but the key was the passing game through Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, and Devontae Smith. One week after the Eagles had 363 rushing yards, the most they've had since the 1940s, the Eagles show why they are a Super Bowl team, why they are different than other elite running teams, 
like their opponent, the Tennessee Titans, when they want to, they can also be a top-tier passing attack. Numbers for you in this game. Jalen Hurts, 380 passing yards and three touchdowns. He is the first Eagles quarterback ever with over 370 passing yards, three-plus passing touchdowns, and at least one rushing touchdown. How about A.J. Brown as well? The revenge game against Tennessee. He leads the way, eight catches for 119 yards and two touchdowns. Devontae Smith, five catches for 102 and a score. Pro Football Focus said before this game, the Eagles were one of two offenses this year with an 80-plus passing and running grade. Well, that continued today. That's the difference. That's why this Eagles team is 11-1, and they're the best in football. They can do it all, led by their MVP caliber quarterback. The Eagles take it 35-10 over the Tennessee Titans. I'm Louis DiBiase, host of the Lockdown Eagles podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Just as it looked like the Jacksonville Jaguars were turning a corner, the Detroit Lions stopped them in their tracks. The Jacksonville Jaguars played their worst game of the season at the wrong time. I'm Tony Wiggins with Locked On Jaguars, your daily Jacksonville Jaguars podcast. We're at your team every day. They were awful. They were terrible. It's the worst game they played all season. And they made Jared Goff look like Joe Montana. Fumbling the ball, Travis Etienne early in the game, dropping the ball, Zay Jones all day. The defense that could not get a pass rush. This team has a long, long way to go. They came out extra flat. They almost played like they were mad at each other for some reason. Trevor Lawrence was able to avoid a serious injury right before halftime, but it just wasn't enough that he came back into the game. They lose 40 to 14 to the Detroit Lions and things don't look good. On the hardwood, the New Orleans Pelicans got a masterful performance from Jose Alvarado, leading our Lockdowns Pelicans host to wonder, about an important question surrounding this team. With Jose Alvarado scoring a career-high 38 points in the win over the Denver Nuggets, the Pelicans are second in the West. But the real question is, are they the deepest team in the league? I'm Jake Madison, host of Locked on Pelicans. The Pelicans are on a four-game winning streak, including blowout wins over the Nuggets and the Raptors, and now second in the West. And they've done this without two starters in Brandon Ingram and Herb Jones. Zion Williamson is driving this, playing his way into the MVP conversation, averaging 29, 11, and 7 during this run. But the Pelicans' depth is also letting them blow by second units. Jose Alvarado couldn't miss against Denver, career-high 38. Trey Murphy is shooting over 40% from deep. Dyson Daniels is a plus defender is a rookie and Larry Nance Jr. is the perfect small ball five. With the injuries, New Orleans hasn't hit their ceiling yet and they're still a top team and it makes you wonder just how far this Pelicans team can go. Here is another story you need to know. Mr. Irrelevant is going to have to be Mr. Reliable for the San Francisco 49ers and he was mostly that in a 33-17 win over the Miami Dolphins in a big game on Sunday. But the big news, Jimmy Garoppolo has a broken foot. He's going to miss the rest of the season. Kyle Shanahan telling reporters after. So it's going to be Brock Purdy, who was the last player taken as the quarterback moving forward. And if they have an injury from there, maybe it's Brian Peacock from Locked On 49ers who will be the quarterback after that. Brian, uh, it, it seems like it's hard to process all of this because the 49ers get a monster win, but then you have this terrible news in the post-game press conference. It's insanity. It's been insanity nonstop since March 2021 or so when the 49ers traded up to the number three pick of the draft. And if you wrote the script and you turned it in 
uh, the, the Hollywood would turn it down because they see it was unrealistic with the way that everything's gone. And Jimmy was on his way out the door. They couldn't facilitate a trade. He comes back. He's leading them into the playoffs, having such a good year. Then he gets hurt now. And Mr. Irrelevant, the last pick in the draft is the guy now that has to lead the 49ers into the playoffs. It's either him or Josh Johnson. Those are the only two healthy quarterbacks on the roster as of this evening. And Josh Johnson probably isn't even on a plane yet to Santa Clara <laughs> to play for the San Francisco 49ers, even though he's still got a parking spot because this is his third time uh, with the 49ers on the roster there, dating back to the Harbaugh days. But it's amazing. And to be honest with you, it didn't look that different with Brock Purdy at quarterback than it usually does with Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback. Now, he doesn't have a big arm. But little athleticism, some, you know, uh, some playmaker ability, I think. He's not afraid to mix it up, which is key for a rookie quarterback. He looked like he the game was not too fast, too big for him. And so we'll see. He made some, you know, yikes throws, but he made some good throws as well. So right now, the 49ers season hangs on the balance uh, of the right arm of the very last pick in the NFL draft this year. And you, you couldn't even... You couldn't even make this stuff up. It is interesting, though, because this is this is sort of like the most extreme version of the life the 49ers were already living. Let it be the defense. Let it be the scheme. Let it be the playmakers and quarterback. Just don't beat us. OK, now, how good is everything else? How much can you win when it's just everything else and the quarterback is just pushing buttons? This is going to have to be 2019. San Francisco 49ers, right? And and I guess that is the question. Can these guys, Christian McCaffrey in now, he was excellent in this Miami Dolphins game. Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, Juwan Johnson, and then this defense that is looking like far and away the best defense in the league. How far can they carry this team if Brock Purdy is like the, the 27th, 28th best quarterback in the league? Well, he's already better than Zach Wilson, so he, he's he's uh, yeah. I gave him I gave him a couple spots. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like how you did that. Um, it's it's crazy because he he doesn't have to do anything except not make any huge mistakes and facilitate the playmakers. Which luckily for the 49ers, those playmakers are really good getting the ball within five yards of the line of scrimmage, right? So he should be able to do that in theory. Now we'll see what that looks like when teams get a book on him. We've seen a lot of young quarterbacks who look okay at first and then can't you know, make adjustments to the adjustments. And so we'll see what it looks like for Brock Purdy. He's a rookie quarterback. You never want your season to, you know, fall on the shoulders of a, a rookie quarterback, but that's right where the 49ers are right now. Now, maybe they're on some other phone calls trying to talk some guys out of retirement. We'll see what happens. But as of now, Josh Johnson backing up rookie Brock Purdy. Um, as long as he's not a disaster, though, the 49ers have proven that they don't put it all on their quarterback's shoulders anyway. So it's defense run the ball get the ball out quickly get the ball out short let the yak bros go to town and they're built to still win some games so we'll see if they're able to do that next week it's tom brady the guy with the most experience against the guy with the least experience in the nfl with the bucks and the 49ers stay up to date all year on the san francisco 49ers by subscribing to locked on sports today and the locked on 49ers podcast on the odyssey app youtube or wherever you get podcasts coming up the ravens got a win but they also got some disheartening news about their most important player. It was one of the ugliest games on Sunday. The Baltimore Ravens pull out a 10-9 win over the Denver Broncos, who are allergic to scoring points in the Russell Wilson era. And it was Tyler Huntley, not Lamar Jackson, who led the game-winning drive. That's because Lamar Jackson had to leave the game 
with a knee injury. Coach John Harbaugh saying days, weeks, we're not sure exactly what his situation is. Joining me now from Locked on Ravens, our resident injury expert, Kevin Ostriker. Uh, it seems like every time we talk, it's because the Ravens have have lost another player to injury. At least that was the whole 2021. Here we are in 2022. This is still happening. So at least in the short run, if they have to play Tyler Huntley, what kind of offense can they put together? Well, the good thing about Tyler Huntley, Peter, is they don't have to stray too much away from what they've already put together around Lamar Jackson. Tyler Huntley is, I think, the perfect backup for Lamar Jackson. I think he could start somewhere, honestly. I think he is a guy who, with repeated reps and with someone who could get that playing time, he could be a starter in this NFL. But I think the Ravens have to feel very blessed that they have a player like Tyler Huntley behind Lamar Jackson because they really don't have to change a lot. Huntley can come in. He can run that offense and do it effectively. We did see it, even though the Ravens went on that six-game losing streak to end the year in 2021. They were still able to get the job done on offense. And while they weren't putting up a ton of points, they didn't have to recreate the entire offense around Tyler Huntley based off of a difference in skill set or difference in skill, this, that, and the other. Lamar Jackson's the better player, obviously. You know, Lamar Jackson is a much better player than Tyler Huntley is, but that doesn't mean Tyler Huntley isn't good at what he does. And if this was not a pretty game by any stretch of the imagination against Denver. No. But what we <laughs> saw was in those final five-ish, four-ish minutes of this game, Tyler Huntley led this offense on a 16-play, 91-yard drive to score the game's only touchdown of the day, which ultimately was the difference. It was a 9-3 to ball game. It became a 10-9 to ball game, and that's all she wrote. So Tyler Huntley did get the job done. We will wait, wait to see what Lamar Jackson's status is. I'm, not, I'm no doctor, although I am an injury expert after what we've been through here in Baltimore for the past couple of seasons. But I still think, yep, I'd probably label him maybe questionable the best for Pittsburgh in Week 14. So if Huntley's asked to step up to the plate again, he can do it, although the Pittsburgh defense does have some talent on it. It is looking like that January 8th matchup with the Cincinnati Bengals is going to be huge in the AFC. Right now, the Ravens have Pittsburgh next week. They've got the Deshaun Watson Browns the following week, the Falcons, and then they close with the Steelers and the Bengals. So what what is the realistic expectation for this team to close the season? What What number do you think they have to get to to be in the best position possible for them? Yeah, with the Bengals playing the way they are with that big one over the Chiefs, I think it is a two-team race between those two teams. You know, Pittsburgh and Cleveland both, I think, are too far gone at this point. But who knows? You know, anything can happen in the NFL. But for the Ravens, they're already 2-0 in their division right now. That is already better than their record last year, which was 1-5. So they're already off to a better start. <laughs> they already have the tiebreaker over Cincinnati with that Week 5 win. So that's another plus for them. Even if they lose a game to, let's say, they lose to Cleveland, and then maybe they lose to Cincinnati in Week 18. They have an opportunity to get on the board with that tiebreaker. Now, tiebreakers get so out of whack when we get to like week 16, week 17, week 18. But for right now, we're seeing an offensive unit, even with Lamar's action over the past couple of weeks before he went out, struggling in the red zone. They did a better job in week 13 about getting to the line, but that was it's been an issue for years for them. But the Ravens, again, they can't convert in the red zone consistently this offensive unit punts a bunch and on third down against denver the ravens were not good they ended up going just three of 13 i believe the number was so they have to get it together in multiple aspects i think that two minute drive for the ravens and tyler huntley actually saved greg roman's job because if that had happened if the ravens had lost to a denver team that has been reeling this season the offense is one of the worst in the league or the worst efficiently in the league the defense is solid the Denver defense is actually pretty solid but 
in a game where you only score 10 points coming off of a game. The Ravens over their last three games have not scored a touchdown in the first quarter, the second quarter, or the third quarter. It's been all field goals. So that offense does have to get it together because performances like that are not going to beat the Kansas Cities. They're not going to beat the Buffaloes, the Cincinnati's, and the AFC. So I still think Baltimore can win this division 100%, but they have to get the job done on offense because their defense is doing a lot of heavy lifting right now for the most part. Now the offense has to follow. Stay up to date all year on the Baltimore Ravens by subscribing to the Locked On Sports Today and the Locked On Ravens podcasts on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. And finally, former big league slugger Fred McGriff was selected as the newest member of the Baseball Hall of Fame on Sunday. McGriff was a unanimous choice among the 16 members of the inaugural Contemporary Baseball Era Committee, which considered a ballot of eight candidates whose primary contributions to the game took place after 1980. The player needs 75% of the vote to be elected. He starred for six different clubs during a 19-year career that ended in 2004. He was a five-time All-Star who clubbed 493 home runs, almost 2,500 hits while finishing in the top 10 of MVP balloting in six different seasons. With a new avenue of possibly entering the Hall of Fame in place, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, and Kurt Schilling were all still denied entry. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up tomorrow, who is the king of the AFC? So at least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports today.